So the so the way I see this is, you know, how Tesla has really shown a lot of innovation to the automotive space. We've been seeing, you know, very similar examples in the healthcare industry where a lot of these newer, you know, innovative companies can change the healthcare uh, landscape uh, for the next 10 to 20 years. Welcome to Deep Dive, a special episode of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these episodes, we put BMO GAM's investment strategies under the microscope so you can see how they work for your clients and your practice. Today, Alfred Lee and Danielle Nezel explore the frontier of healthcare, looking at genomics innovation and other long-term drivers to give investors insight on growth areas of the market. Our experts also present multiple ways to benefit from these new and exciting trends ranging from a sector-based approach with ZUH to a thematic strategy with ZGen, our genomics-specific ETF. Before we hear from our experts, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and bookmark bmoetfs.ca in your browser. Welcome to the BMO ETF Deep Dive podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Danielle Nezel with BMO Exchange Traded Funds. And we have Alfred Lee with us today, BMO ETF Portfolio Manager and ETF Strategist. Alfred, so great to have you back. Glad to be here. Well, we have a really interesting discussion prepared for you today. We're going to talk about a growth area in the market, and that is healthcare. This is a trending space for investors who are seeking out growth opportunities. And as we navigate this global pandemic, really, we have been more focused on healthcare now more than ever. So there are a couple different angles we're going to look at this space today. So we can take a sector approach, which is a more top-down view, where we look at investing in the entire healthcare sector and all its sub-industries. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And then there is the thematic approach, which is more focused on specific innovations, technologies, and developments within the healthcare sector sector. And specifically, we're going to look at genomic innovations. So Alfred, I'm so glad you're here to break this all down for us. So let's first talk about the overall healthcare sector. What types of industries or businesses make up the sector? And secondly, healthcare is seeing some tailwinds right now. President Biden recently announced a big spending plan focused on healthcare. So what types of healthcare businesses will be most impacted by this spend? So, you know, I think you're right when you uh, mentioned COVID has been a, a huge focus since, uh, you know, the COVID pandemic broke out. I think most, most of the focus has been around, you know, pharmaceuticals and more specifically the vaccine makers. And I think, you know, that's been the main focal point since the onset of COVID in February 2020. Um, but, you know, when you look at the space, I think a lot of investors have been hopeful that, you know, when the vaccine makers will come up with a COVID-related vaccine. And as we all know, uh, a number of them were successful in doing so. So, you know, mo more, most notably, there's Pfizer, uh, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson as well in, in terms of the U.S. healthcare space. Um, Pfizer, for the most part, has been getting most of the headlines, and, and rightfully so. I mean, you know, they've been the main catalyst in terms of, you know, swaying the markets in terms of this economic reopening trade that we've been seeing since the beginning of November. So when I look at Pfizer, you know, in the performance of the stock since November 6th, which is when the headline broke, uh, Pfizer is up about 19%, which is pretty impressive return. But when you compare it to the S&P 500, it's pretty much in line with the market. Uh, BioNTech, which they partnered up with, 
uh, that's up about 128%. The major reason why is because, you know, that COVID vaccine is a, a main product for them, whereas, you know, Pfizer is a more diversified uh, in terms of having their uh, product line, in terms of having vaccines and different treatments. But, you know, for the most part, when you look at healthcare, uh, what I do want to stress that is that it's much more than just pharmaceuticals and vaccine makers. You know, overall, when you look at the vaccine makers in the subsector, it's actually been one of the laggards in the broader healthcare sector. Uh, so when you look at the healthcare sector, there's been, you know, different subsectors, things like biotechs, uh, so think of that as, you know, therapeutics. So companies like Amgen, Gilead, uh, there's also healthcare equipment makers as well. So Abbott Labs, uh, Boston Scientific, uh, healthcare facilities, service and suppliers as well. Uh, one area that's been getting a lot of focus is, is Teladoc. So, you know, technology in the healthcare space. And the reason why is because, you know, as we've moved into lockdown, uh, what, a, what a lot of people have realized is that rather than waiting at your doctor's office uh, for an hour to see your doctor, it's been a lot more efficient to do it, you know, through a platform like Teladoc. And I think even in the post-COVID world, I think, you know, a lot of those efficiencies are still going to hold. And a lot of people, especially over, you know, small ailments like seasonal flu or, or you know, if you have a cold, it's going to be much more efficient to go through uh, something like Teladoc rather than seeing your doctor. Uh, but, you know, to answer your second question in terms of the Biden administration and the focus on healthcare. Uh, healthcare is definitely a big focus for the new president. Uh, so when you look at the new uh, $2 trillion infrastructure plan that was passed by the House back in March, 400 million of that 200, 200 or 400 million out of that 2 trillion is going to be dedicated to healthcare. And more specifically, over the next eight years, uh, that spend is going to be focused on home and community based services. So a big focus of this is going to be based on uh, helping the elderly, helping the disabled, so that's going to provide a long-term boost to the sector. You know, my opinion, I think the vaccine story is more of a short-lived story uh, where it's already been priced into the market. But, you know, the Biden uh, infrastructure spend, I think that's going to be a tailwind for, you know, the longer term. Um, I think, you know, more specifically, when you look at the Biden infrastructure spend, that's going to, you know, specifically going to benefit subsectors like, you know, the equipment makers, uh, the facilities and service uh, suppliers. I think all of those are well positioned because of this infrastructure spend. Perfect. Thanks for walking us through the uh, more traditional way of looking at healthcare, that sector approach. And I know a lot of people might immediately think about biotech when they think about healthcare, but thanks for highlighting the other sub industries like the equipment makers and the facilities. Um, now, kind of turning to that more thematic approach. So, Thematics is a more new investing style that's kind of emerging where investors are looking at technological developments and innovations. And within the health healthcare space, we're calling us, we're looking at genomic innovation. So this kind of all started with the sequencing of the human genome. And kind of from this breakthrough, we're now seeing some fascinating treatments and technologies so Alfred, can you talk to us a little bit about the mega trend of genomics and why is this an emerging theme in not only healthcare, but the investment space? Yeah, so, you know, we we talked a little bit about the vaccines and, you know, more specifically, some of the newer vaccines that have been introduced. Um, so things like, you know, the mRNA, so, um, you know, what's been called as the messenger RNA vaccines, that's been very topical. But when you look at it, you know, mRNA has actually been talked about for the last 40 years. So when you look at the COVID-related vaccines, 
the first, uh, they're actually the first mRNA based vaccines that are being used on humans. It's a pretty huge breakthrough uh, in the genomic innovation space because they think, you know, it's very different from traditional vaccines. So, you know, compared to traditional vaccines, there's no live virus being introduced to the body. So it essentially sends code to your body uh, to let your body know how to fight a virus. So, you know, the way I see this is it's very similar to, you know, when you're in school or in the office and you go through a fire drill. So it's basically just practicing or letting you know how to deal with a real life situation. So when your body does get infected, it does know how to deal with it. So uh, what that leaves your body with is a B virus. So it, so your body knows how to you know, fight off the virus if, if you actually do get infected. So, you know, some of the benefits of this, you know, newer technology is, um, you know, versus traditional vaccines, it's faster to develop. So, you know, just so uh, for these newer vaccines, just as, as long as you know the DNA sequencing or the RNA sequencing, you could develop the vaccine pretty quickly. And, you know, when we compare, you know, the newer vaccines such as Pfizer and Moderna compared to, you know, Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca, which use the older technology, what we've been finding is, and as everybody knows, there's been fewer side effects with this newer technology. But, um, you know, when you look at a lot of these new vaccines, there's a lot of uh, potential other applications that, that could potentially be used. So they're talking about a universal flu vaccine, uh, using it for malaria, various cancer treatments as well. Um, so it's very promising in the vaccine space. But, you know, when you look at mRNA um you know, they're using synthetic genetic material. So that's an example of genomic innovation. Um, so while this is a huge leap in terms of the development of vaccines, um, it's a relatively simple form of genomic innovation. So as mentioned, you know, they've been talking about mRNA vaccines for the last 40 years. Um, but there's actually a lot of innovation in the healthcare and technology space over the last decade. So, you know, as you mentioned, in terms of uh, genetic sequencing, genetic sequencing, uh, over the last decade, they've been researchers have come a long way just in terms of you know accessing you know molecular building blocks like DNA and learning how to you know manipulate and rewrite the sequencing of DNA as well. I think the major shift in the last decade has really been you know the advancement of you know, genomic uh, sequencing. The, there's really been three major reasons why we've seen a huge advan advancement in that area. One, I think it's the ability to access a DNA. Uh, but it's also, you know, the ability to understand um, uh, DNA sequencing as well. But for, for uh, another area where we've seen a huge improvement is, is the improvement of, of costs as well. So, you know, what used to cost billions of dollars actually costs, you know, just a fraction of what it used to cost. So the way I see this is, you know, how Tesla has really shown a lot of innovation to the automotive space. We've been seeing, you know, very similar examples in the healthcare industry where a lot of these newer you know, innovative companies can change the healthcare uh, landscape uh, for the next 10 to 20 years. Absolutely. I think that cost curve decline in the genomic space is a really big point to highlight, especially when investors are looking for those growth opportunities, understanding that when we sequence that human genome, you know, 10 or more years ago, it cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And now that cost is getting down to a thousand or maybe even less. You are listening to Deep Dive, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. If you're looking for timely trade ideas to navigate the current market, we encourage you to tune in each Thursday for our weekly Views from the Desk episodes. 
You'll hear razor-sharp insights, commentary, and ETF strategies from our portfolio managers, as well as questions submitted directly from our audience of Canadian financial advisors. Alfred, what types of companies are then exposed to these genomic innovations? And what types of developments or technological platforms are driving the growth in this theme? Yeah. So, you know, as we both mentioned, I think that that cost curve is really important, which has really made it possible for a lot of these newer companies to be um, profitable and, and to generate revenue as well. So, you know, the, as an example, the Human Genome Project, uh, which finished up in 2003, that took 10 years to complete, which cost $2.7 billion uh, right now. Uh, it's estimated in a few years that could cost essentially, you know, just $100. So, Huge improvement in costs, uh, but where we are seeing, um, you know, three specific sub-industries where, uh, which show a lot of promise is one, CRISPR. I think that's been the one that's uh, been talked about the most in mainstream media. So CRISPR essentially is gene editing. Uh, we think, you know, this could really rev- revolutionize uh, the world just, just in terms of, you know, treating both inherited diseases. So things like cancer, uh, Alzheimer's, Huntington's disease. Uh, but also non-inherited diseases as well, such as HIV. Um, but so far, uh, CRISPR has already been applied to a lot of conditions such as you know, sickle cell anemia, thalassemia, but also cognitive disorders as well, such as Alzheimer's, uh, muscular dystrophy, even eye diseases as well, and, and diabetes. Uh, so CRISPR is one area that you know, I think shows a lot of promise. Another area is, is living drugs. Uh, so what that is, is you know, using living organisms in order to treat a disease. So uh, what they do in this area is they take a cell from either an animal, uh, bacteria, or a fungal, uh, and, you know, uh, also from a virus. And what they could do is genetically engineer them in order to exhibit theoretical properties and then inject that into a client So or inject that into a patient. Um, so, uh, you know, for living drugs, uh, right now there's only... Uh, six approved um, drugs that are approved for clinical use, um, but there's hundreds in the pipeline that could potentially be approved. So there's a lot of promise in that space as well. Last but not least um, is bioinformatics. Um, so in this space, what they're doing is using data. So data, as we all know, has been very uh, useful in a lot of different industries, but uh, not only using the data, but also aggregating the data as well. So there's a lot of different ways in collecting data now, whether it's through you know personal devices uh, such as your phone, but also through medical devices as well. But then taking that data and combining it with machine learning or artificial intelligence in order to come up with you know better information for your doctor or developing goods and services for the healthcare sector as as well. So all these different areas I think are very promising uh, in the technology space and also the genomic innovation space, which could really you know, change the landscape over the next 10 years. Um, but, you know, when you're in investing in these specific themes, I think, you know, if you're just relying on, you know, broad-based, um, you know, broad-based ETFs that track the broader market, um, the likelihood is that it's not reflected in these broad-based ETFs. Even if you invest in an active manager, uh, the likelihood is that a lot of these companies are not in the investable universe uh, for these active managers as well. Good point there. With genomics, it's such such a new and burgeoning space that traditional analysts uh, aren't really trained to look at the companies 
that are involved and that are exposed to to genomics. So um, you bring up a good point there, Alfred. So let's bring this all back to ETFs and how do we um, invest in these companies or get exposed to these companies? So what are some options for investors to either add a healthcare sector exposure to their portfolio or genomic innovations to their portfolio? And maybe, Alfred, you could talk us to maybe the differences between the two types of exposures and where do these fit in a portfolio? Sure. So, you know, two different themes, in my opinion. So I think, you know, when you're looking at traditional healthcare, um, we've always viewed it as a long-term secular theme, in our opinion. Uh, so when you look at, you know, the aging demographics of the world, um, the world as a whole, you know, the population that is above 65 years or older, um, it's about 10% of the global population, but it's very skewed towards a lot of the developed nations that have access to healthcare. So when you look at companies or countries like, you know, the US, the UK, Japan, and even Canada, and, you know, certain countries in Europe, um, the population that's above 65 years old is, you know, ranges between 15 and 30%, and it's only going to trend higher than in the coming decades. So the demand for traditional healthcare, I think, is going to continue to rise. Uh, it's always going to be, it's expected to be strong over the next, you know, decade, two decades as well. Um, and that demand is going to be strong across the board, whether it's biotech, uh, the demand for healthcare equipment and services as well. Um, and as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, uh, the Biden infrastructure spend, I think, is going to place a, a, a lot of demand for healthcare. So that's going to be another tailwind for the sector as well. So to get access to um, traditional healthcare, uh, we have two different ETFs in order to play this. We have ZHU and ZUH, essentially the same portfolio. Uh, the only difference is that ZHU is unhedged and ZUH is currency hedged. So if you don't want the impacts of you know, the currency volatility between the Canadian dollar and the US dollar, then ZUH is the currency hedge format. The way we view this position is more of a long-term strategic hold in the position. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a core position, but as a satellite position in a portfolio, um, but as a complementary position to your broad-based indices. Uh, but you know, we consider it a long, uh, a long-term hold just because of that long-term secular trend in the demand for healthcare. In terms of you know what we were discussing, in terms of you know the newer, more innovative companies, you know, as I mentioned, you know, a lot of those companies are not represented in traditional broad-based indices. So, you know, when you look at our new ETF ZGen, which focuses on gene uh, genomic innovation. Uh, there's 194 companies in that ETF. Only 23 of those companies are represented in you know, ZUH or ZHU, which is the traditional healthcare sector ETF. Even when we look at the S&P 500, uh, there's only 11 companies in ZGen that are represented in the S&P 500. Even if we were to look more broadly at the MSCI world, which contains you know, close to 1,600 different securities, only 25 of the companies in ZGen are represented in the MSCI world. So, you know, if you follow Kathy Wood and ARK Investments, you know, what they've been saying or what they've been estimating is that, you know, they expect a lot of these firms, uh, their revenue to approach, you know, potentially in the billions over the next decade and their market caps, uh, some of them to potentially reach, you know, in the trillions. Um, so, you know, if you're relying on broad-based indices, you know, as I alluded to before, it could be a long time before they're reflected in traditional, you know, broad-based ETFs or even sector-based ETFs. And, you know, you could say to yourself, well, you know, I could always pick individual stocks. Uh, the issue with that is that it's very time-consuming. 
And quite frankly, I mean, you know, the level of research, uh, even for a lot of active managers and professional investors, it's, you know, it's out of the wheelhouse. Um, and lastly, you know, when you look at a lot of these specific industries, it's, you know, what I would consider a winner takes all uh, industry where a lot of these newer industries over the long haul, um, eventually there's only one or, or a small handful of companies that are eventually crowned the winners in, in these spaces. Uh, a lot of things could change as well. So, you know, patents, uh, technological breakthroughs could, could, you know, potentially dramatically alter the landscape. Uh, also, you know, regulation and not only regulation, but the change of regulation could change the outcomes of these companies as well. So I think, you know, using an ETF is a good way to invest in this you know, overall theme. Uh, in addition to that, you know, by using something like a market cap weighted ETF, it naturally gradu gradually overweights, you know, the eventual winners over the long haul. So that's a good way to invest in the theme, um, but without having to individually pick uh, individual stocks. Some great points there. Maybe I'll add one more for our Canadian listeners. Healthcare is actually really underrepresented in the Canadian index. So uh, for those Canadian investors out there looking to diversify from those overweighted sectors in Canada, adding a healthcare ETF or genomics ETF uh, could do the trick. Alfred, this has been a really fascinating discussion on healthcare and genomics. Thank you so much for walking us through the differences between that sector approach and the thematic approach to accessing these growth areas of the market. Thanks, Danielle. My pleasure. We want to remind our listeners that uh, we have a ETF Market Insights webinar that goes live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern. It's free to join. So if you'd like to tune in, etfmarketinsights.com, you'll get all the information there. And if you want to hear more about investing in genomics or healthcare, that's going to be our next topic on May 28th, 1 p.m. Tune in live. Or if you want to get it after May 28th, we'll have it streaming on YouTube. Thanks for joining in and we'll see you next time. Thank you to Danielle Nezel, BMO Product Specialist, and Alfred Lee, ETF Specialist and Portfolio Manager at BMO Global Asset Management for joining us on Deep Dive. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to tune into our weekly Views from the Desk episodes available each Thursday morning in this same podcast series. And you should also bookmark the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio manager represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment tax or legal advice to any party. Investment should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statements that necessarily depend on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance.